to be with you here today. What needs to change before we see the kingdom of God? I mean that as a serious question. Take a moment to think about it. What needs to change? You know, someone could give any number of answers to that question. Maybe what needs to change are the laws. Uh, maybe we just need to shape the country so that it conforms to God's will and then then we'll see the kingdom of God. Maybe overturning Roe v. Wade was the first step in that process. But maybe thinking on a national level is, is just too small. Maybe we need the right global situation. Maybe we just need to topple the world's particularly concerning regimes. And when we've done that, when we finally done that, we will see the kingdom of God. But maybe none of that sounds right to you. Maybe what comes to mind instead is a complex eschatology, a, a series of events and signs that will signal the second coming. And once those things happen, once we see those signs, finally we will see the kingdom of God. So which is it? What do we have to do before we see the kingdom of God? I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to John 3, verses 1 through 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord God, please bless us that we might understand and receive your word this morning. That we might grow in our faith in and reliance on you. And that we might serve you in everything we do. Amen. Why was Nicodemus going to Jesus in the middle of the night? And what was he going to ask? We don't know the answer to either of these questions for sure. The, the text doesn't say specifically, but we can make some pretty good educated guesses. Why would Nicodemus have gone to Jesus in the middle of the night? That, that's an odd thing, isn't it? A nighttime visit like that. I mean, even today in the 21st century with our over-the-top hectic schedules, even today, we don't set up meetings in the middle of the night. Not usually. Uh, at its best, it's merely strange. At its worst, it might be suspicious, right? Uh, very often, if there's a meeting in the middle of the night, those people are up to no good. 
Not always, but, but often enough. So why then? Why was Nicodemus meeting Jesus in the middle of the night? And again, the passage doesn't tell us for sure, but there are several possible explanations. Maybe Nicodemus was curious and he wanted to know more about this Jesus fellow, but he wanted to do it without risking his status. We're told that he's a leader of the Jews and uh, the leader, uh, leaders of the Jews were not big fans of Jesus usually. So maybe this was his way of saving things, right? He wanted to learn more about Jesus, but he didn't want to risk his status. And so a nighttime visit would help him hedge his bets. Or maybe he really was convinced that Jesus was from God. He just couldn't pull together the courage to alienate himself from the other Jewish leaders quite yet. Not, not quite yet. Maybe, maybe he was completely bought in. Maybe he believed that Jesus was the Messiah and he was committed to that vision he just misunderstood who the Messiah really was and what he really came to do. Israel, at the time, was occupied by Rome, and it hated its Roman overlords. It chafed under Roman rule. It wanted desperately to be free again. And many in Israel thought that the Messiah would come in the form of a freedom fighter, a revolutionary who would grow off Roman rule forever. Now on this side of history, knowing what we know about what happened historically, knowing what we know uh, about the Bible and what Jesus came to do, this might seem laughable. It certainly wasn't laughable then. This is something that people took very, very seriously. In fact, we're told that this message was so compelling that even Jesus' followers were susceptible to it. We're told in Acts 1, verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Do you see what they're asking here? Even those closest to him are asking, when are you going to do it? When are you going to start the revolution that will throw off the Romans, restore the kingdom of Israel, and bring the kingdom of God to us? Even those most loyal to Jesus were bought into this idea. And if that's who Nicodemus expected Jesus to be, then perhaps this timing is pretty logical. The middle of the night seems like a reasonable time to me to plot sedition and rebellion. But regardless of why he chose the timing that he did, Nicodemus comes to Jesus with a question and he uses some interesting language. Notice that Nicodemus uses the term we, right? He talks about we here. Nicodemus isn't just talking about himself. He's saying, I and the people who I represent acknowledge who you are. And this is significant. Nicodemus is saying, look, there are lots of us, and we all know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're from God. 
If you weren't, how could you do all of the incredible things that you're doing? And that's as far as Nicodemus gets before Jesus interrupts him. But we can see where this is going, can't we? We can see where this is going. When a person wants something, and they think that you can give it to them, and then they start telling you how great you are, we know what's coming next, right? We know that a question, that a request, is coming next. We know what Nicodemus is going to ask Jesus. It's what everyone in Israel wants to ask of the Messiah. The Romans are tyrants. The Messiah has finally come. Nicodemus and everyone he represents want to know, when will it happen? What needs to change before we see the kingdom of God? We know that that's his question, and so does Jesus. And so long before Nicodemus gets the chance to actually ask, Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is profound for a few reasons. First of all, Jesus is not interested in a revolution, certainly not the kind that Nicodemus and Israel has in mind. He has no desire to, quote-unquote, bring about God's kingdom by driving off the Romans. Second, he is saying that Nicodemus has gotten something very fundamental very wrong. It might not be immediately obvious, but it's in the words that Jesus chooses to use. Essentially, what he tells Nicodemus is, I'm going to stop you right there. You're talking about a we, but not seeing the kingdom of God? That isn't about we. It's about a one. It's about an individual. It's about you. What needs to change before we see the kingdom of God? Before you can see the kingdom of God, you must change. And friends, the same is true for us today. If each one of us would see the kingdom of God, each one of us must change. The kingdom of God does not need to be jump-started by our efforts. And we won't find it in the signs that we observe. It's not bound to who's president uh, or a, a geopolitical status uh, or the destruction of our enemies. It was no more or less here when Roe v. Wade was established than when it was overturned. It's not waiting for the right pieces of an eschatological puzzle to snap into place. The kingdom of God is already here. Luke 17, 20 tells us, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in our midst. What needs to change before we see it? You do. 
you must be born again. And that might seem alarming. It certainly was to Nicodemus. I'm going to read now uh, from verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read Nicodemus' response and, and how Jesus answers that response. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, truly, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You see, the problem here, the, the problem that Nicodemus identifies, and, and it's a real problem, is that you really have no control over being born again. In the same way that you really played no part in being born the first time, you cannot make yourself be born again. You cannot born yourself again. It's, it's impossible. So what's the takeaway? What's the message? You must change, but you can do nothing to change, so good luck. Is that it? Is that, is that all we get? No, by the grace of God, it is not. But for the answer to this question, we have to look back at the beginning of the book of John uh, for why John is writing this in the first place, for what he establishes very early on. And so I'm going to read to you from John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet... To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. It's true. We can't born ourselves again. We have no power to do that. What we can do is receive Christ. And scripture tells us that if we do that, he will give us the right to be born of God, to be born again. So what needs to change before we can see the kingdom of God? You do. I do. It's not a matter of we. It's not a matter of our society or our situation. It's a matter of the heart. You know, it's an easy error to fall into, to see what's happening in the world around us, and, and to use that to gauge, right, to measure how the kingdom of God is doing. It's an easy error to fall into. It's one that I find myself falling into all too often. We see injustice, Hurt, wrongdoing, 
And it becomes all too easy to think that the kingdom of God just isn't doing so well right now. We see politics go our way. We see what we like come to pass. And it becomes all too easy to think that, hey, the kingdom of God is doing great. Everything's on track. All of that is a diversion. All of that is a misunderstanding. The same misunderstanding that Nicodemus had. The same mistake that even Jesus' followers made. Jesus is the kingdom of God. And he is present in good times and bad, when good seems to be winning, and when evil seems to be winning. When life is pleasant, and when it's not. We can't do anything to make the kingdom of God more or less real. We have no power to do that. What we can do is receive Jesus, trust in him, and let him change our hearts. Open your eyes with faith and see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Almighty Lord, praise be your name. You are unchanging from everlasting to everlasting. Lord God, grant us hearts that would serve you joyfully in good times and bad. Your will be done. 